Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. Vanessa Denha Garmo here. Well, our next guest is a PhD graduate student at Columbia University and a virtuoso's pianist, Anthony Coniglio, gave a musical night of reflection on the true meaning of Christmas and the birth of our Savior at St. Mark Catholic Church, Southwest Ranches, Florida, just west of Fort Lauderdale on December 19th. The event was both in person and also live-streamed at St. Mark Parish's Facebook and YouTube accounts. Over the past few years, Anthony has studied the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas and shared some wonderful reflections on the true meaning of Christmas and the majesty and miracle of the incarnation of God becoming man and dwelling among us. Now, this is about the Christmas season. We just celebrated Christmas. Um, it is, uh, we had the Advent season and now we're leading up to the Epiphany and this is what Christians celebrate. So I wanted to bring Anthony on for many reasons to talk about his performance, but give you more of a little bit of a background on Anthony. Anthony is a PhD student in mathematics at Columbia University, specializing in the mathematical physics of Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. Prior to enrolling at Columbia, he received a master's degree from the University of Cambridge in England on a full scholarship where he studied thought through its Department of Applied Mathematics and Theoretical Physics. Prior to Cambridge, he was an undergraduate at Indiana University, where he was a quadruple major. I'd never heard of this quadruple major receiving undergraduate degrees in mathematics, physics, astro astronomy, astrophysics and piano performance. Anthony has co-authored published research in American Mathematical Monthly, the most widely read mathematics journal in the world. Anthony is a pianist and has received awards in several piano com competitions and has studied piano with Grammy Award winning pianist Andre Watts. He's an active member of the Institute of Advanced Physics and an organization of Catholic scientists and theologians established to advance modern science in a balanced fashion that does not leave behind the correct philosophical foundations nor the proper moral and spiritual components. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us here in It's Your Community. What an amazing background you have. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate you having me. It's great to be here. So tell us about this Christmas event you you hosted, which was recorded and is, you know, available for viewing online. You know, um, how did this come out? Tell us about this performance at St. Mark's. Sure. Well, during this Christmas season, uh, we in Christianity celebrate the fact that God became man. And it's a time where it's important to kind of sit down and think about the meaning of all of this season. So what I wanted to do was to help people to get in that frame of mind. Um, and so this um, is an event that I did. And basically what I did is I played certain Christmas uh, songs and I gave uh, reflections on each of the songs and different things to think about um, during the season. Um, one of the significances about this time that Christmas is about is the fact that God who exists outside of space and time itself chose to come into space and time by becoming man. And mm. so in doing this event, I was able to help people to see the significance of this and to give people really a time to sit down and think about the meaning of all of it. 
Wow, that's beautiful. So when did you when did you start and how did you end up start playing piano? Well, I was nine years old when I started to play the piano. Um, actually, I started to play the piano after being diagnosed with type one diabetes. Mm. So what happened was because I was young at the time when I got diagnosed with diabetes, I was nine years old. I was having some difficulties at the time with adjusting to the lifestyle changes that I had to make as a result of this condition. So my parents decided to enroll me in piano lessons at a local music school in order to help me to take my mind off of the situation and to work through it. Mm. So after starting at this local music school, uh, from day one, I loved playing the piano. I couldn't get enough. Um, one of my favorite pieces that I learned to play, which is one of the reasons I started to play the piano um, as much as I did when I began, is the piece Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin. I had yeah. heard it on this Disney movie uh, that your audience may have heard of, Fantasia 2000, and that inspired me a lot. Mm. Um, I also, I grew up in South Florida and showed an early interest in music one of the benefits of living in South Florida was that there's the Chopin Foundation of the United States that's mm. based in uh, where I live. And uh, Chopin, uh, so I mean, the, the composer, Frederick Chopin, is an organization devoted to his music. And Chopin, the composer, is primarily a piano composer. So what I would do is I would go to concerts at this organization and I would listen to these piano concerts and it would be very inspiring to me because I would want to learn the pieces that I heard the pianists play. And so that was an inspiring thing for me. And from then on, I worked hard and grew and grew more in my playing. And um, here I am today doing what I'm doing. So I want to get into your background in both music and science. I find it your background so fascinating and how the two really go together and then tie in your faith and, and music, science and your faith as a Catholic. But I heard when you were in eighth grade, you did a science project on the benefits of studying music and the effects on the brain. Can you share with us that science project you did in eighth grade? Oh, sure. So the science project was specifically about the music of the composer Johann Sebastian Bach. So Bach is known for writing what are called fugues, F-U-G-U-E-S. So what a fugue is, is it's a type of piece where you have multiple independent melodies being played at the same time, one after one another and simultaneously. So like, for example, if I say, row, row, row your boat, and then someone else comes in singing that same song, but just a few seconds after I start it, and you kind of have this. this oh, you're layering it. It's kind of layering it. That's exactly right. Yeah. You're layering uh -huh. it. Uh huh. And there's a way you can do it on the piano where you play all the layers at the same time, but just with your two hands. Wow. And so what the science what the science project was is it was trying to determine whether the number of layers affected one's ability to memorize. So what I did is I played a piece with two layers or layers. Um, sometimes they're called voices, even though it's on piano, uh, with two layers or two voices. And I would ask people to try to memorize um, a bunch of objects that placed in front of them, like 20 objects. Then I had them do it again with a new set of objects, but instead of with the piece being played with three layers and then four layers and five layers. And I wanted to see what the number of layers that a person is listening to can actually help stimulate the brain more to help the memory to be more acute and memorize things better. And the results of my science experiment 
ended up showing that the higher the number of layers of the piece you're listening to, the more the brain is stimulated because the more efficiently you're able to memorize things. And I was wow. very excited because it, it ended up, um, I ended up getting awards in it. And um, it was a very exciting thing for the science project. I mean. Yeah, that's impressive. And it's impressive for a 13 year old to figure out uh, that even topic, let alone uh, pursue it and then win an award for it. That's amazing, um, Anthony. I love it. And so how, you know, you, you hear your careers and you go into college and you end up getting a quadruple major. I honestly have never heard that. So what prompted that decision, Anthony? Oh, well, so when I was originally applying to colleges, I was primarily interested in music because I've been playing piano for a number of years and that was my primary focus at the time. Um, throughout high school, especially towards the end of high school, I became interested in mathematics. And one of the reasons I think that that is, is because music and math actually go together. So a lot of people who are interested in math are also interested in music and vice versa. It's not always the case, but it's something that happens quite a lot. And the reason that is, is because the part of the brain that is stimulated when playing a piano piece, it is kind of like, when in a mathematics, you work with numbers and equations. Yeah. So the way that I've described it is that the notes in a harmony fit together kind of like numbers in an equation. So there is that similarity there between math and music. So I became interested in mathematics and through the mathematics became interested in using mathematics to understand the world around me. Um, so that got me into physics and I was able to uh, comp out of a number of music theory classes in college because I had done study of it prior to college. So that gave me more room in my credit hours to be able to then add uh, the fourth major, which was the astronomy and astrophysics major. So mm -hmm. I started out with music, then added the mathematics, the physics, and then the astronomy and astrophysics. Mm -hmm. I do have to say as well that because I attended Indiana University, their particular program allowed for this ability to juggle the credit hours, and this flexibility in making one's course schedule that gave me the opportunity to pursue these different degrees. And it ended up working out in the end because I enjoyed it and learned a lot and I'm doing what I am doing today because of it. Yeah, that's incredible. You, you have such an amazing background, um, Anthony. And, um, and according to recent polls, 93% of the top scientists in the world are atheists or agnostic, which you don't fall into that because you are practicing Catholic. But being that you have studied math, uh, mathematical physics at top level schools, Cambridge University and Columbia University, and have done summer programs at Princeton and Cornell, you know, what's your take on, on scientists being atheists and, and the fact that really research shows that religion and science kind of go hand in hand? Oh, so actually, so this atheistic uh, mindset, it started in physics and then it propagated to other fields of science. So the way it started in physics is as follows. As the audience may know, the primary mode in which most of modern day physics is done is through the use of equations. So for example, E equals MC squared. Mm -hmm. that's, that's an equation. Now, the important thing to know about equations is that equations themselves are symbols that exist in the mind. Equations themselves are not real 
actually existing things in reality. So for example, if I pick up a rock, a physical thing, and I look at it, I'm not going to literally see an equation written in the rock. The equation is a construct of the mind that the mind comes up with in order to describe and make predictions about reality. So the mm -hmm. equations themselves exist only in the mind. Now, equations themselves are wonderful because without them, humanity's understanding of the physical world would be very rudimentary, and we wouldn't have technology like phones, electricity, airplanes, radio, and so on. Now, this use of equations started in the 1600s, and it's an extremely powerful method because of what it has been used in the world for. Now, what happened was, is that this use of systems of equations and symbols, which, as I said, exists only in the mind, this method was misused. What happened was, instead of using the systems of equations and symbols in the mind to augment and shed light on our understanding of reality, instead, the system of equations and symbols became centered on its own self, fixated mm -hmm. inside of the mind. So what ends up happening is, uh, the modern day physicist in practice ends up unintentionally being in some sense locked up inside of his own mind, inside of the system of constructs, the equations, instead of using the equations to understand more deeply the reality in front of him, which sounds weird because to a person not in the field, it really seems like the scientists are, uh, have a very close connection to the reality. But what happens in practice, and I've been to Cambridge and I've studied at some institutions where you have the hardcore theoretical physics and all these things, and I see this happen, where basically the, the construct for the modern-day scientist, in some sense, unintentionally replaces the, rea replaces the reality. So in other words, instead of the goal being to understand reality, the goal becomes to manipulate the symbols and constructs of the mind in the equations. Wow, and that's, so this that's essentially, incredible. Yeah, so that's basically what happens. And one evidence that you can see why this is the case is if, if you say to an average person, hey, what do you think when you think of the word physics? The person will not think of, oh, that's a study of the physical world, the reality right in front of us. They're not going to think, oh, it's a study of reality. They're going to think, oh, it's about numbers and equations and symbols and constructs and all these highfalutin things. And so what this has led to is an ungroundedness in the way that physics is done. And this then propagated to the other areas of science because the study of the physical world is the most foundational of all of the branches of study because everything that we know comes through our senses and our senses only sense the physical world. So whatever is uh, messed up with the way physics is done is then gonna propagate to the other areas of science. And so what we see in practice is that the more robustly symbol-centered that field is so in this case physics the more uh there's going to be this fixation on the constructs alone and i want to emphasize that the use of equations it themselves is not in itself bad in fact it's wonderful and essential what i'm talking about is a misuse of this method yeah. of using equations where instead so how of, how has it affected yeah. the culture at large then anthony when, when they misuse the the equations and the numbers right yeah, so in today's culture, the main driving force as the way the culture goes is the scientists. So scientists are 
Uh, one analogy you can think of is it's like it's the head of the dog, not the tail. So it really kind of whatever the scientists say is in our culture, the be all and end all. Um, whenever the culture wants to find out an answer about truth of some sense, where do we go to in the culture? The culture goes to the scientists. So what's happening is this construct first mentality is at the base of the driving force of the culture. So um, now science in and of itself is good, but I'm really talking about just a misuse of this equation uh, method. So this construct first thinking that is solely fixated inside the mind um, propagated to uh, not only the areas of science, but then it turned basically the intellectual life as a whole into kind of this game you play up in your head rather than about firmly planting yourself in reality right in front of you. Then this trickled down to politics and then to the way that curriculum is done and then trickled down eventually to the common man. So now what we see in the culture today is a rejection of the reality in front of us that is replaced by essentially a construct view of reality. And wow. what goes along with this is a very mechanical view of reality and of life. We, we kind of think about our lives and reality, even our country, at being kind of just not much more than kind of one big machine, kind of this mechanical view. And this comes from viewing the world through this construct with the symbols. So like in physics, you have the constructs, you manipulate the constructs in kind of this mechanical, uh, robotic way, and then you spit out an answer that you compute. And kind of that has propagated to the way we, to the way we think about life um, and the way we think about morality. We think kind of in a very robotic, mechanical way. And so all the craziness we see in the culture um, is being caused, uh, at least in some sense, by this instability, this ungroundedness that comes from, instead of planting ourselves in reality right in front of us, instead of that, viewing reality through kind of a system locked inside of the mind that rejects the reality that is in, in front of us. Um, and because everything that we know comes through our five senses and because our senses, our five senses only sense the physical world, that means that this problem I'm talking about in physics, it's not just going to be within the physics community, but it's also going to be everywhere else. Because as I was saying, it's really the driving force of the culture because all of our knowledge comes from our understanding initially with the physical. So wow, that okay. includes our understanding of politics, uh, history, religion, sociology, philosophy, everything is going to depend on it. And therefore it's fundamentally affected by this way That's of thinking that is fixated in the mind. This is incredible. You could take a deep dive. We could talk hours on this, Anthony Coniglio. This is what a wonderful perspective. I, I, I would love to talk to you more about this and read more about this. This is pretty incredible. But we only have a few minutes left, and I want to get to so much more with you. You're an active member of a nonprofit organization called the Institute for Advanced Physics. Tell us about that organization. Sure. So this organization, the Institute for Advanced Physics, is a nonprofit that is working to address specifically this quest, this problem that I've been talking about. Uh -huh. So this organization is devoted to helping to uh, stop this construct first thinking and to reintegrate the firm planting in reality that we all need. So we're, so this organization is starting with 
fixing this construct first problem in physics. So for example, um, the organization has put out these textbooks, for example, that show how you can learn physics all the way through quantum mechanics in a way that is grounded through the principles we see through the senses that does not use constructs alone to replace the reality. And mm. so the director of this organization, the Institute for Advanced Physics, is named Dr. Anthony Rizzi. Um, he solved an 80-year-old problem in theoretical physics that Einstein himself left unsolved. He also won an award from NASA. He also was he also worked with the team of physicists who recently won the Nobel Prize for the discovery of gravitational waves. So he's the director of this institute. And the website is iapweb.org. That's iapweb.org. And this organization, the Institute for Advanced Physics, is not just for physicists um, in the equational sense, like the hardcore physicists at the universities. This is really for anyone, um, no matter who you are. Because physics is just a study of the physical world, not just about equations. So if I pick up a rock and I say, oh, that's brown, I've done physics there because I've noticed something about the physical world around me and I've said something about it. So this organization is helping people to see the foundational principles, get through the senses, and then to build our understanding of reality based upon that. And I invite you to go to the website. Again, it's not just for physicists, it's for everyone. That's iapweb.org. And a lot of the things that I've said today on this interview have been things that I've learned through this institute. Um, also, I have a website as well, um, and I have some links on my website to some of the IAP resources, IAP standing for Institute for Advanced Physics. Um, my website is anthonyconiglio.com. So that's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-C-O-N-I-G-L-I-O. So Anthony, um, before I let you go, we have a couple minutes left here and I want to play about a minute of your music and then you're going to explain to us, you know, what you perform. So let me play this for our listeners. Such a wealth of information. We could go on and on with you. Um, and thank you for sharing those websites because we're going to look into those. But I'm going to play this piece of music and then I'm going to have you, you know, talk with us about it. So let's just let's just listen to Anthony playing the piano. Anthony, that was beautiful. Tell us what, what was that you just performed? So that piece is called Ballad Number no. One, or it's an excerpt from Ballad Number no. One by the composer Frederick Chopin. So Frederick Chopin is that composer of that organization I was talking about at the beginning of this 
uh, segment. Yeah. Um, so Frederick Chopin is one of my favorites, and he's how I started to play the piano as much as I did. So it's uh, Chopin's Ballade Number no. One, and that is one of my favorite pieces to play. That's beautiful. Anthony, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. We have about a minute left with you. Um, I do want to ask you really quickly, and then anything else you want to leave with our listeners, tell us about the Churchill Scholarship, the STEM one that you received. There's different scholarships versus like the Rhodes Scholarship at Oxford. Tell us about that real quick. Yes. So in going to Cambridge, when I did, which is what I did for my master's degree, that was only possible through my receiving a scholarship, a full scholarship through this organization, the Churchill Foundation of the United States. This organization was founded by Winston Churchill himself in order to bring young people interested in science, young students in science and math and technology over to study at Cambridge. And this organization is similar to the Rhodes. Um, the difference is that Rhodes is for Oxford, but the Churchill scholarship is for Cambridge specifically in math and science. You can learn more about the scholarship at www.churchillscholarship.org. And if there are any young listeners out there in college who are looking to pursue a higher level degree in science or math or technology fields, I invite you to learn about this scholarship. Um, and I know that we're wrapping up the segment. So again, I'll just mention my website again, anthonyconiglio.com, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-C-O-N-I, glio.com. There's a resources page that you can check out as well as other information on the website. And again, the Institute for Advanced Physics website is iapweb.org. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us here in It's Your Community. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure talking with you as well. Any questions, comments, show topics you want us to get to, get to me, Vanessa Dunhagarmo. Go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching. You can email me there. You can also find me on all my social media platforms, Epiphany Communications and Coaching on Facebook and Vanessa Dunhagarmo on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And private message me at any time with any show topic ideas you have. As always, we remind our listeners to connect, communicate, and to collaborate with your community. Thanks for listening. It's Your Community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.